Welcome to The Storeroom, a North VCA podcast. The Storeroom is a place where we keep everything that influences our ideas. And this season, we discuss across a bewilderingly wide variety of topics, the impact that brand stories have on our lives. Welcome to The Storeroom. Let's go inside, see what we can find. All right. So, um, let me, let me get into it. So, Welcome to episode two of North's podcast series. And uh, for our second episode, we thought we'd kick flip right into the abyss and uh, look at brand stories in, in skateboarding. Um, for us, this is inherently tricky because skateboarding is the most, well, in my opinion, the most vehemently anti-commercial commercial industry, like literally ever. The, the entire construct of it is about not selling out while still selling millions of skateboards. And uh, added to that, like skateboards are pretty much all the same basic product. It's um, you know, they it's only the really the imagery and the and that, that differs. And I think that's where the brand story gets really interesting to us as to why why people you know, gravitate towards certain brands and not others. And it's a, it's an interesting conundrum, this this anti-commercial commercialism. Um, yet within this fascinating universe, and what I find interesting about it as well is it's a universe that was created purely by skateboarders. I don't think there's many people, I'm sure you can correct me, Adrian, many people who got into the industry with the idea of, you know, not coming from a skateboarding background. Um, but it's also, it's, it's produced some of, the, some of the greatest graphic design imaginable. But also I think it has some incredible stories behind the brands and brand stories um, behind almost all of the, the, the skate labels you may or may not know. Uh, so we thought we'd have a look into those, you know, the, the ones that, have, that are around still, that have been survived for a long time and the ones that have already fallen. I mean, it's a $2 billion a year industry and it's all based around imagery, irony, uh, music, cultural subversion, location, excess. And for me also just the pure sound of the sports and, uh, you know, just the, the sound of skateboarding is, is, is phenomenal. It's, 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 it's one of those things that, that, that always appealed to me being a very, very much a non skateboarder, but someone who's always been absolutely fascinated by the culture and someone who's always somehow managed to hang around with skateboarders. It's just, uh, it's just one of those things. So I'm very happy to, that's a long way around Adrian, but I'm very happy to introduce a good friend of mine and a fellow recent dad, uh, with today, Adrian Day of Baseline. And we can have a big eye roll, please, here from all the skaters. We're going to discuss brand stories in skateboarding. Um, so I think what's interesting is a lot of these, you know, I go to a lot of these these sites and they don't have one of those lame about us sections. They they seem like that they're always focused on on what's next. They they obviously pay respect to the past, but there's never this this idea of okay, this is what what we where we started. They they completely just keep keep moving forward, which I find super interesting. So what I want to chat to you about is should we start at the beginning? I mean, obviously I'm wearing this Santa Cruz hat. Yeah. Um, off, off, off air, we, we kind of discussed that um, someone left it in my car on the way back from a wedding and they never got it back. But uh, for me, would you say that Santa Cruz is one of the first that, that, that ever started? I mean, they, I remember the first skateboard I ever saw was a, was a Bryce Knight Santa Cruz board. Um, I think he's a, he's a videographer now. But uh, That would have been a Schmidt Sticks, I think, not a Santa Cruz. But, um, oh, really? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's why we got Adrian here, yeah. Um, Santa Cruz, yeah, late 70s, somehow 78, I keep thinking, 1978, it started. Yeah. So there was a bunch of, um, there was a boom in the 70s, obviously. So, I mean, <clears throat> towards the end of that, Powell started the, the brands that still carry on today. There obviously aren't many of them that carried mm -hmm. on, but Santa Cruz, Powell would be 
two of them. Wasn't that like an Adidas, an Adidas Puma situation where the, where Powell split between centric? Was it? Was it? Where no. am I getting this completely wrong? Yeah, no, that's that's not right. What happened? Great <laughs> <laughs> uh, start, Gav. I mean, Powell Powell Peralta was the biggest brand in the '80s by a long mm. shot. That's that's your Bones Brigade, your Hawks, your that that yeah. whole, they did that documentary, you know, the Bones Brigade. Uh, so yeah. that was Powell and. George Powell and Stacey Peralta eventually split. As it happened, that was split for probably 15 years and they're back together again oh, as wow. Powell Peralta. But um, kind of, um, that's more, a lot of it has to do with reissuing old nostalgic okay. product as well, you know? Sure, and, and, and Santa Cruz, he was, he was at the helm of that. That was... Uh, when exactly? Oh yeah, or well, who? I mean, who was behind, who was behind the story? I mean, like you know, how did it how did it originate? I mean, do you know who started Santa Cruz? Yeah, that that I mean, that kind of collides with independent trucks, really. Uh, okay. So there's like, um, you know, it's you know, I'm gonna throw old guy names out, and they might be the guys or associated with not maybe the main dude, but yeah. those guys like Fausto Vitello and uh, Santa Cruz, who started independent. Um, yeah. And then Which they were guys. Yep, that's that's that would be another one of the brands that still continues today. I've got to move my yeah. dog. Oh. <laughs> okay, cool. He's got a very cool three-legged dog. I'm not looking happy with me now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the, I mean, Santa Cruz's parent company is called NHS, which is Novak. It's Rich Novak, someone, someone, uh, Sherman. I can't remember the actual names, yeah. but late '70s stalwarts who kind of still they're still there, man. Yeah. I think you know, uh, sort of behind the yeah. scenes. But, yeah, uh, and and if you actually if you actually sum up like Santa Cruz in one, I mean, because they don't really have brand lines, skateboarding companies either. They have they have almost an ethos and an, and a mythology around them. If you had to say Santa Cruz, like what is it? What, is, what does it stand for? To and me, I bring you on the spot there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To me, look, it's not something I don't think about Santa Cruz that much. You know what I mean? But yeah, totally. It's, it's like a her, it's a heritage brand, you know. Yeah. But it, but that's not to say it doesn't have a, a new modern team and. You know, they got that whole movement, of course, but I think yeah. real like Santa Cruz's heyday was the 80s. And I yeah. think it was so powerful then that it'll, that'll resonate forever to a degree, you know? So, sure. And, and I also, another, you know, another aspect to them is I really like the fact that they press their own boards. They, you know, they, they have their own in-house factory, whereas most brands actually just outsourcing to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I touched on that in my intro. I've, I've always found it quite interesting with this. It's quite a parity product across the across the industry. That's you know, and and you say you press your own boards. You, you obviously there's different sizes and that. But would, would you think that that's part of their brand story? People think, okay, cool. They 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 make their own boards, so it's it's a, it's a lot no, more legit. Really. I think yeah. that comes down to uh, perhaps for the Puritan or yeah. or it's nice for their story. Uh, as you yeah. know their story is that they press their own board so does powell actually um, yeah but no i don't think it if you take your average skateboarder who's i don't know what age that actually is nowadays but younger probably, than younger than us these days yeah. early 13 to 26 or something like that is your main area i they yeah. don't care what boards made particularly yeah. until and, but you get that little puritanical vein running through those guys who like i like this wood and i don't like that wood but that takes a long time yeah, it's a long time before you get to that, that level where you think, okay, cool, I'm going to start being really discerning about what sort of exactly. deck I ride. Yeah, okay, cool. I mean, Adrian, you knew this was going to come up, but for me, um, I'm, I'm fascinated by Enjoy uh, Skateboards. Uh, for those of you who don't know it, it's spelled E-N-J-O-I. 
Um, and again, the, the origin story there, I remember Rodney Mullen was involved at the beginning and, and that, what, what is the, what is, what is enjoys, you know, because they also, for me, have got a very specific niche within the, within the skateboarding market. Mm. So they, um, they've gone through a lot of ups and downs as well. I think it's been quite difficult for them because they've had a lot of uh, change yeah. of, change of leadership as such. Um, yeah. But they've managed to keep that sort of fun ethos there, which is pretty amazing, you know. Uh, but what I will say is that when you take brands like um, Blind Skateboards, 1990, World Industries, the whole World Industries camp, which was Steve Rocco's camp, a lot of the yeah. ads that they would run then, yeah. very similar to what Enjoy, it's that sort of like, a, it's the, the randomness of everything, the humor of it, and a little bit of like, some of them have a darkness to them, you know, or like a, yeah. or like a trash aspect to them or whatever. It it's like an anti-skateboarding, anti anti-skateboarding, skateboarding sort of yeah. approach. Like, I mean, I quite like Enjoy. When it first came out, I was like, oh, they're just rehashing old ideas. But yeah. having said yeah. that, they've continued doing that now for <laughs> yeah. a couple of decades, you know what I mean? And it looks, yeah, exactly. and visually, visually, it was always very cool. And like, uh, uh, those ads are genius. Yeah, I really like them. And the ads are my favorite part. Yeah. And another thing I'm interested in, that's within, you know, we've, we've been looking a lot at, there's a thing called like a, almost a brand belief system. And again, I don't want to throw too many marketing terms around because I am aware that we're in a, you know, in the skateboarding. Context. I probably don't understand what they mean, bro. No, no, there's some, well, that, it's taken me about 20 years to find some that actually makes sense to me. So um, there's one that they talk about the, the lexicon around a brand, the way it speaks. I saw earlier, I was looking at Antiheroes websites and, they said, uh, they said, Grimble Sticks presents Skybird people on the up jump. You know, what I love about it is it makes no sense to someone who's never seen it. And that's what a lexicon does. If you don't understand it, it's either yeah, yeah. appealing to you that you want to understand it, or you're in the know, it's an in-joke or something, and you, and you know it. There's I a lot skate, of skateboarding's, skateboarding's full of that. So I don't, I don't know if you, could, if you could decode that for me. Well, Grimble yeah, Sticks. I probably can. So Grimple Sticks is... Yeah. Um, it's an anti-hero offshoot, which is kind of a fun idea that's kind of super random. And they let yeah. a couple of pros, it seems to me, run with it, or one in particular. So it's Grimple Sticks, which is just like, I think it's, a, you know, in the 80s, people, there were Schmidt Sticks and all these yeah. like funny names like that. So Grimple Sticks, they created this weird brand. And I think a lot of that reference, because Evan Smith is obviously getting some, uh, he's, getting, he's on that brand now, the sub-brand of anti-hero. How do you get anti anti hero? So it's like even yeah, yeah, he was never he was never an anti hero. He's just luckily oh, really? like a grumple thing. But what I think part of the reference might be he's like a big mushroom head. You know yeah, I mean? so just for based on the music and the and the the graphics in the yeah. in the piece that I watched was yeah. I think there's a it was heavily mushroom influenced yeah, art. Yeah, it was all psychedelic and like tie dye. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's like, but having said that, he's a properly the most amazing skateboarder on earth and he's like a musician and he's got his whole super rad gig so yeah it's not like he's just some waster yeah absolutely but i mean speaking about lexicon i mean again we, we've mentioned enjoy but they, they have things like you know oververt or they just their use of language is super interesting i don't know if you can think of anything off the top of your head where there's a there's a certain way of speaking or a certain uh, you know lexicon of words that are used around different skate brands with brands uh um, yeah uh, I mean, off the top of my, yeah, I could think about it, but I mean, yeah, there's uh, probably hundreds. Sorry to put you on the spot. Like, like, well, like crooked. Gomar Gonzalez coming, get it straight, right? Crooked. You know, like that. That okay. would be probably something. What you mean, huh? 
or like yeah. uh, I mean brands overall like something like anti-hero is almost like one big inside joke and reference you know and uh, it's, it's explain explain that a bit more because again I think that's where their brand story lies it's like a it's, it's a complete antithesis of of anything no. well all ads and graphics most of them have a good amount of humor in them I think a lot of it you have to think about when you look at it we, yeah. we, we don't necessarily but you're the common man on the street you'd be perplexed by what you <laughs> you know yeah like cockroaches having sex or something that's a weird thing to look at you know <laughs> but absolutely I think the anti-hero thing when you speak about this idea of lexicon is that this is our world mm -hmm. and you can be a part of it but we're keeping it our world you know and I think yeah. that's a kind of uh a little bit of an ethos, an unintentional ethos. Yeah, absolutely. And Antihero has an, has an interesting story as far as I remember how they, how they began. Who, who started Antihero? So that's um, Julian Stranger. Okay. So that was a... Yeah, obvi obviously. Obviously it was Julian Stranger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he got on, he, well, he was writing for one of the, uh, for real skateboards and that's at the, in the house of a, a thing called Deluxe. And then yeah. they came to him and approached him about starting a new brand. He was got on John Cardio and got a really good thing going from the from the get go. And also just they were reacting against how everything in skateboarding looked very polished and clean and they came in like dirty, you know. And okay, they still had the same thing. Even though they got like probably one of the best teams on earth now, you know what I mean? They yeah. still look grimy and keep it secret. They've got like they've got they've got from like the a guy who gets no footage, but you know he's good and he's he just fits it. Yeah. He's almost like a, probably doesn't get paid much to like the best dude in the world on there as well. Okay. So it's a bit like that. Yeah. And another thing that's obviously massively important, and I know that again, speaking about my, my, my relationship with skateboarding being from the outside is listen, watching skate videos. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned this to you before, Adrian, like I remember having my, my hi-fi and putting it up against a television with a VHS tape in, just taping just the music so I could put it onto yeah. a cassette and take it to a party. I think a lot of South African kids in the, in the you know, early 90s did that. And do you think that, you know, if you had to take a music genre, could you allocate music genres to different brands? Because I think that also forms part of their, yeah, their brand bit, story. Yeah. Like, let's take Huff, for instance. I mean, does Huff, does Huff have a soundtrack? Because also what I love about skateboarding, often the soundtrack is so random. It'll go from hip hop to classical yeah. to, some, to some 70s folk. It doesn't really, you know, fit anywhere. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess they do, you know what I mean? Like have, but it wouldn't be specific. It's not like uh, this is a yeah. hip hop. They, they, they're yeah. probably going to have a, a... Who is the most hip hop label then? The most hip hop skate uh, brand? If probably DGK, I would imagine. Like DGK, mm. or maybe I'm an under... There's probably like little smaller ones that are happening that are yeah. more so. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But I mean, yeah, there's those guys. And then there's obviously like, there's so many brands. That's the thing, you know? I mean, even a brand like Primitive, which is probably one of the biggest brands in the world at the moment. Yeah, I, oh, really? like, I put like a kind of hip hop soundtrack to that one. It's probably why they're so big at the moment, yeah. Possibly. But having yeah. said that, there might be guys on the team who don't uh, suit it perfectly. I don't know, you know, it's a, there's a, there are subcultures in skateboarding and the classic version of it in the 90s, what they called was Fresh versus Hesh. So it's okay. like the guy who, the hip hop kid was the fresh kid and the hash guy was the flannel wearing, like chocolate boot wearing, Dickies wearing charger. And the other yeah. guy was street skating orientated. And, but the, the thing is, those lines have blurred quite a bit over the last like 10 years, you know? Because, yeah, because I was, that was actually going to bring me to my next, my next point. Now, what sort of skaters are attracted to different brands? Like if we take, 
something like, you know, half, like what's sort of, for me, half feels very, very kind of clean cut, but with, a, with an edge to it, but a bit buttoned down. I don't know what your, you know, which, which sort of skate brands, like girls skateboards as well, for me feels very suburban, very, very clean, but very, you know, also very subversive. I mean, you have to be subversive in this market. I just like if I say, if I should throw a name out like Baker, what sort of I know, I know Baker had their their whole imagery was around you know pretty much partying well, all the time. So I who, who would sort of people are attracted to which sort of brands? Well, I think a lot of it comes from initially like the way you skate, the skating that you identify with in the beginning. Yeah, like if yeah. you identify early on with just skating ledges and technical kind of stuff you're going to gravitate, start looking towards those kind of pros as your influence, those kind of brands that house those pros and that sort like, of thing. Give me, give me some examples of that. Well, okay, put it this way. I'll give you a classic example. Like mm -hmm. back in the 90s, Zero. Zero came out of the gates like as this, the, the, like the Nalas, the big, big, big gaps, big handrails. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So that, that was the thing. Part of that created that whole skinny jean thing, that whole era we had in the early 2000s, you know? God bless it, yeah. But for me, I don't want to jump down massive handrails particularly. Itchy stairs, yeah. Yeah, or like even at that time, or you know, gaps and we, we started, our approach was different, you know what I mean? So we didn't relate to it as such. We respected it and I would definitely watch all those videos and be like, Jesus Christ, look at that. Was <laughs> look at that, yeah. Going on, but I, it wasn't something that I personally would have, I identified with. I think certainly I, you identify with the kind of skating you like, like the pros you like, and they eventually, essentially are attached to brands that you will like. Of course. So, so it feels like it's a very much a, you know, almost a personnel led, led industry where people, people follow, you know, almost follow players, not teams. They, they're like, okay, cool. This guy's, this guy's into this, love the way he's going. So I'm going to follow yeah. that. It's the ultimate fanatical uh, <clears throat> pursuit because you've got super fans of people, you know, like I've got lists of, it, it's it's almost homoerotic. I've got a list of dudes that I just think are just the best dudes to watch. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that. You know? Yeah. And Please share that list like on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, and then you've got your own you've got your own label as well, Adrian, which is we're going to focus on. Well, I'm going to focus on faux pas now, which is the other side of <clears throat> the second round of doing my own stuff familiar faux pas yeah and i mean again it's the it's one of those things if you put the word bay after most things it sounds great so you can say like moonshine bay or whatever you want to say but with skateboarding as well you can almost put if you put a great word in front of it and put skateboards afterwards yeah. it just it just it just really works and somehow yeah. you know how it works and again i think that plays into the idea of the lexicon i was talking about it's it's one of those almost it's a very intangible industry for me when it, it either just works or it doesn't and it works for a certain person or it doesn't. And I, I think that's what's fascinating about it is I don't think often a lot of thought has gone into it. They haven't gone through endless marketing strategy sessions thinking like, what are the kids into or what are this, you know, maybe some companies do and they probably are, are pretty no, I irrelevant. Don't, I don't think there is too much. There is that obviously. <clears throat> I mean, unfortunately, what you must remember is half the skateboarding has been bought by, in venture capitalists and whatever. So, yeah, yeah. You, you know, so, once you've got shareholders, that changes everything. You know? Yeah. Because Robbie wants cash and Robbie doesn't care how he gets it. So, that, that, that is the, essentially the destruction of the skateboard, uh, skateboard yeah. freedom, you know?
and, we, and we've seen the same happen, uh, I mean, quite recently in, in surfing as well, with I think Hurley, Hurley being bought from, from Nike. And, you know, there's that, 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 I think that's a whole other discussion of the, the corporatization or the, of, of, of skateboarding. And that brings me actually quite nicely to my next point. I mean, how did you, I know you've done a lot of work with Nike. Um, when Nike and Adidas and now more recently New Balance and those kind of labels, I guess Under Armour is probably next or something, but when those sorts of brands come into the skateboarding world, what is the general reaction? Because they come with, with massive brand stories of their own that, that are built throughout a whole myriad of other sports. What was the reaction when Nike SB first arrived? I mean, I remember their first video was pretty mind-bending. It was, they had to be, I mean, it is Nike, they do things properly, but what, is, what was your feeling about that? So you need to also go back because in like 96, 97, pretty 97, yeah. they, they tried to get into skateboarding. And they, Nike specifically, Adidas as well, but Adidas somehow kept this like low profile thing going. Mark Gonzalez yeah. has been on Adidas since the 90s. Oh, really? really? Nothing's changed there. Yeah, it's just that I think it was just like a side thing for them at the time, you know? And then um, skateboarding got huge or whatever, and now it's different. But so Nike um, tried and were soundly kind of rejected. Mm -hmm. they, the, the shoes, as far as I understand, I mean, I'd seen some when I was traveling as a kid or whatever, but just not good. Essentially, and basically, I think moreover, the attitude was, fuck those dudes. They're yeah. not a part of skateboarding. We don't yeah. want them. And at the same time, you had really good, uh, a strong presence of like the skater-owned footwear brands, like Soul Technology was S, Etnies, America, DC was blowing up. Um, and then there was a, a bunch of others, you know? Yeah. So then with... They relaunched it again in 2002. Okay. And yeah, they, they kind of had a good strategy though, to be honest. Like they got the right riders. You know, before they were, I don't know, they just did it right. They did it better. They did it cleaner. They built on heritage product, which is the, was the smartest thing for them to do. It just yeah. really released the dunks. That's what they did to begin with, you know? So basketball yeah. shoes reappropriated as skateboard shoes. Yeah. And barely reappropriated in the beginning, I think. You know, <laughs> like it's, that's just down or, and what you must remember is generationally, kids don't mm. know about, you know, if you, if you were born, if you're eight years old or, or 10 years old to use, Nike's always been in skateboarding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I suppose it makes sense to reappropriate a basketball shoe though, because often skaters are coming down from a greater height than someone who's, who's dunking a basketball. So it makes, it makes sense to give them some cushioning yeah. when they learn. Well, that, that story essentially with the Nikes and the Dunks and things like that is um, in the eight, there was no skateboard footwear brands. There was Vans. Yeah. But they were right, So this is just even before Airwalk, right? Okay. Um, just before Airwalk, which also built on the Jordan silhouettes and stuff. They, uh, they'd released the Dunk as a basketball shoe. Skaters in the 80s wanted the high top support. But swiftly after they released the Dunk, they released the Jordan 1. So all those yeah. Dunks ended up in bargain bins so skaters gravitated to those and skaters then, love a bargain and, bin and that's, and that's how it happened and then the search for animal chicken also came out and craig stesic they couldn't get shoes for all the riders so craig stesic mm. used someone at nike and they would get sent jordans so that kind of solidified that sort of heritage aspect for, from wow. the beginning skaters kind of rejected it throughout the 90s you know but then it came, came back around to it it's here now Got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's so. Yeah, they do have, do have a lot of heritage, and I mean, you get a lot of shoe brands. I remember at one stage, uh, Globe was 
was just frowned upon with the skaters that I knew because they came out with these super buff, big, like you'd see guys who went to the UK to go like make pounds for like their their two-year work visa thing. And they'd be, a friend of mine would say, you could always spot Saffirs in London because they'd be wearing board shorts with like globes walking around London. The most Osiris. Osiris is the best. Osiris, even worse. The worst yeah. Yeah. Are they still, do they still continue? Are they still around? Uh, yeah, uh, globe is around. Uh, but, uh, what was the other one? <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, Osiris. Osiris, I think they're hanging on by a thread somewhere. A thread. And there was a sad story about Airwalk when you talk about a brand that was, you know, when I remember when I first encountered skateboarding, Airwalk was quite a, quite a big deal. And now they're kind of being sold at Walmart and they've been, the brand's been slowly. It was decimated by like early nineties, really. I think they sold it to someone. I don't know mm. if you remember, you just see like with your kid, with like a teenager, suddenly airwalks were everywhere. Like you could just yeah. see them every main Absolutely. type store. And yeah. that was the end really. The shoes were really bad by that stage. And no, I think really. it must have been sold. I think it's been sold a lot, man. I think it was sold to yeah. Payless in the US at the end of the 90s even, you know? No, it's garbage now. But what they are doing is re-releasing some of those original styles. Um, okay, I've, I've got a couple more points to, to just to chat about. The first one is, a client of ours it was actually AMP Associated Media Publishing just closed down and when every almost every skateboard um, part that I watch is Thrasher comes up and Thrasher started as a skateboard magazine. What is the story behind behind Thrasher? Do you know who started it and how it's because for me it's so interesting how it's not only survived but it's flourished in the digital age. I think it's quite a quite a good case study. Well it had to, right? <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean no. Uh, but it's still prints. All the prints are still going. So yeah. nothing's changed there. Uh, Thrasher started by the same guy I said started independent, Fausto Vitello. Oh, this guy, he's like the, you know, like the Argentinian who landed in America and didn't skate as well. Uh, oh, wow. Like, got into for some There goes my intro. Shit. Oh, well, no, I think, I think he might have, <laughs> he might have skated a bit, but he wasn't like coming from like a, a professional yeah. thing. But I don't think, th I don't think he did skate actually. But I think they, yeah. I remember something saying they were gearheads, like in the fast cars and all that sort of thing. I don't know. Uh, but, so um, sounds like the Argentinian version of me. Anyway. Yeah, so yeah. But, uh, like the empire. <laughs> essentially, he, they started Thrasher because skateboarding was so dead. And they had independent and a couple of, there was a couple of guys who had brands, but they know where to promote the stuff. Okay. So he went to the brand and said, let's start this mag. Or they started Thrasher. And then they would, you know, cover contests, backyard contests and that sort of thing. Yeah. So now, now it's, um, it's still a family business. It's uh, the ladies run it. And, and it's, it's interesting, as I said, like if you go to, you know, go to Antihero, go to Fallen, go to almost any skates website and, and if they've got a, a part on there, the Thrasher logo comes up and I think yeah. that's... So that's what you, yeah, so to get to your point, actually, they, essentially, they're the most credible skateboarding media outlet. Yeah, if you want absolutely. your video in this day and age, if you want your video to drop, you want it to drop on their site. Yeah, that's the gold. That's the gold standard. And they are um, they are uh, good content producers themselves. Excellent. And there's always someone who comes out of seemingly nowhere and and just absolutely destroys it. And I think I mean I, I know you know the guys. Some of the guys who started Palace. And when you look at their their brand story, I mean we haven't really covered their brand stories in a in a very in a traditional sense, but it's great to, to hear the context of, of how the how brands work in this in the skate industry. But for me, Palace, it seems like their brand story for me is like skateboarding has been so appropriated by every other form. It's been stolen from so much. You know, like popular culture is stolen so much from skateboarding. It feels to me like Palace were like 
let's steal something back. So let's start making our let's start making shirts that look like nineties football kits. Let's start stealing back from from everyone who's stolen from us and and absolutely nailing it and subverting it. Let's like celebrate chavs and shell suits and let's take back football culture and well, even the name Palace, I mean, obviously it's a, it's a, it's Crystal Palace is a, it's a London football team and they started in London. But just everything about it feels like um, skateboarding is, is something that, that happens and it's, it's more about stealing and reappropriating and basically fucking up what's, what, what, what's out there. I don't know what your feelings are on that. Um, I, I, uh, I love Palace, man. Um, uh, yeah, God, he does. I have, have to think. Now they're doing I, Ralph Lauren collaborations, you know. So yeah, so I was going to say, it feels like a big level, leveling of the playing field in some way because they're, they're so big now. I think yeah. when I look yeah. at that brand, um, there's, a, there's a big fashion aspect to it and a lot of know-how in that, you know. Yeah. I think exactly what they're fucking doing there. Um, yeah. When it comes to the message, the brand message, I think it's primarily comes out of Lev's head. And most of that's based on some kind of, it's just humor, you know, like it's just, yeah. it's antagonism, it's humor, it's subversion. Uh, I mean, like they, that thing recently was sitting that there was a guy by a car and his head was getting set on fire and a helmet and like, or the Ralph Lauren thing, those dudes on horses. Yeah. That's so fucking funny. That's, that's mm. people in that. So I think that has, for me, I read a lot into that. You know what I mean? I see the Me too. And the fact that Ralph, Lo Ralph Lauren is so enamored to them, they're like, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. We'll go along with that. Yeah. Whereas they, they, it, yeah. it's almost it's layer upon layer of irony. It's like we almost, we, we completely annihilating the idea of Ralph Lauren by celebrating it with our brand. It's, there's a lot going on there. And I think that's why it's so difficult yeah. to peel back the layers of a brand story with skate labels. Well, Gareth, that's why I, the first thing I said is the fashion angle is massively important to them. You know, I mean, Gareth, uh, it's Gareth and Ava essentially. Gareth has been highly focused on fashion yeah. for 20 years. You know, like he's just been like... Is that his background? Uh, no, his background is skateboarding, right? Like really. But uh, and then yeah. he, he worked for like uh, a brand called Stylus and Maria, um, which was a, big, was a big brand at the time, very big in Japan. He, you know, you just, you kind of, he knew what he was doing the whole time. He just—he really worked his way through everything. He started Pointer Footwear. He did okay. uh, really well for a while. He left—he left there and then started Palace. So, I think a good aspect to him of he knows about production factories and almost knows how not to do it. Are there any? Are there any haters of Palace? Because we also we speak about you know, sometimes brands are like you know <laughs> the only reason people don't like us is because they haven't seen us yet. But I think there's a lot of you know you should celebrate people who will never buy Palace. Skateboarding is the most hateful, uh, as much as people love shit, they hate other brands more, or other skaters more, or whatever. It's a bit like that, yeah. you know? So there's yeah. definitely people who hate Palace because it's representing a side of skateboarding that they don't relate to, you know? Exactly, exactly. And, and, you must, and as Palace, I'm sure they absolutely embrace that because you have to, you'd be like, totally. this isn't, this isn't for right. like, If you don't get it, you don't get it. And I think that's Well, every skateboard company has to be like that. You have to not give a shit because you can't cater to everyone. It's not possible. You, if you are catering to everyone, then you're cooking it. You know what I mean? You got to stick something. <laughs> you're done. Yeah, but I think yeah. that's I think that's the main lesson here. With you know, a lot of think a lot of big corporations kind of try and be everything to everyone, and then you end up in the middle of nowhere, and then you you in especially in an environment of skateboarding, you you'll be absolutely dead. So it's great that they pick a lane and they're like, this is what we do, and this is our belief, and we're making it up as we go along, and we we're doing it. Those are the ones that survive, really. 
like absolutely matter you know what i mean the yeah. ones that the thing is i mean that the, the whole dichotomy with everything is you can be have a financially successful skateboard company but it looks like dog shit and you're just moving yeah. numbers it's the same you know there's brands that they don't want to chase off a parent and a younger customer yeah and i mean that, that that's fair that makes sense and you want to be uh you know civilized about everything fine but that makes skateboarding a very boring place in my opinion you know yeah yeah 100 percent right uh, one one last thing i mean obviously you know we design is a massive part of what of what we do and and design in skateboarding i mean for some reason in my opinion surfing if you look at if you look at board graphics and surfing they they kind of absolutely nowhere whereas opposed to you know skateboarding those are those are billboards for those companies and uh yeah, I just I think there's a lot of a lot of graphic people who get into graphic design of are skaters because they they they're so exposed to the, the almost infinite possibilities of what you can do with that very finite space on on the bottom of a deck and 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 they they take it from there. Also, I think it's got it's a very uh, contemporary uh, attainable a lot of it like the artwork like you'll you know mm. you it might see a guns drinker. Oh. Okay, that's his board graphic. Cool, I can I can do something like that. You know what I mean? But you can some board graphics are a doodle, man. It doesn't even matter. Exactly. So it, like lets people know that you can do whatever you want. I think that's part of it. You know. Yeah, that's 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 what's liberating about it. All right, Adrian. Well, uh, that's been that's been super illuminating. I hope it's been interesting to listen to. Uh, yeah, if you haven't heard of some of these brands, go and uh, check them out um, and, and have a look. And obviously. Adrian also owns Baseline Skateboards in here in Cape Town. I know these are tricky times. Hope your online business is is, is going is going all right. And <laughs> um, Adrian, we've been speaking about doing a podcast together for a while. Um, we we may do another one, which is in, in another another direction. But this one for North has been has been absolutely loads of fun. And uh, yeah, the thing we love about brand stories is that they're everywhere. Even if people don't really realize that they they gravitate to certain things because they. They identify with it, and I think there's skateboarding has so many signifiers and say like, cool, I just get that, I dig it, I'm gonna do it. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Cool, right on, thanks cool. for having me.